You're listening to Screenwriters Need to Hear This with Michael Jen. Okay, welcome back, everybody. Today we're talking about, oh, this is so important. We're going to talk about how to get fired from your first job. You're like, but I haven't even, I haven't even been hired for my first job. I know. I know this, guys. I just don't want you to get fired. Once you get your first break, I don't want you to get fired after 10 weeks when your option's up. And, like, and, that, and that's basically what being fired means. If your option is not picked up, it's the same as, it's a polite way of saying you've just been fired. And um, and I see it happen a lot with young writers, which is a shame because you spend all this time breaking into the business, praying and whatever, hustling, and then you get in and you get fired um, because of something you did. And you're not even aware of it. You're not trying to get fired. You're, you're, you, you're not. I know you're not trying to be difficult, but I see it happen all the time. I see young writers get fired because they get in their own way. Mm. I am pretty interested in this one. Uh, not that I'm close to being a staff writer yet, but oh, yeah. I am interested. My whole fingers crossed. But you know, this I I have as a PA seen turnover on a TV show already. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of witnessed this, and I kind of saw it happening um, during the season, and then it was interesting to see it happen. So right. let's I, I, let's dive in. I, I'm I'm kind of itching to get going on this one. Well, the first thing to remember, and I think if you ask somebody, if I, if like, if I asked you and you're just, you're just starting as a staff writer, I'd say your job is to help make the best show possible, right? What would you say? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's not the right answer. <laughs> your job as a staff writer in any show is not to make the best show possible. Your job is to make the best version of the show that the showrunner wants to make. And mm. those two are very far apart from each other. You may not agree with what the showrunner wants to do, and the showrunner may even be wrong, but the showrunner is the boss. <laughs> and so <laughs> you have to do what the boss, and, and by the way, it's not even like the showrunner is wrong. A lot of it comes, you know, sometimes it's a, p- a matter of opinion. Like you may not agree the tone, you may think the tone of the show you're on is silly or stupid, but that's this tone they want, and now it's your job to deliver that tone, to help mm. them make the version that, and, and by the way, they earn the right. Because they they either sold the show themselves, um, and this is their show, or they rose up to the ranks and they they took over this show. So, like they you know they've earned the right to tell you uh, to tell you no, to tell you you don't know what you're talking about, and we're doing it my way. They have earned that right, mm. and and I see it happen so often with young writers. That they want to help. They 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 want to contribute. They want they want they know, but this will make the show better. You know. They, they 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 want the same thing. We, I want to make a hit show just like you, but okay, but that's not your job, and and mm-hmm. you and you not and you don't even know any better. So your job is to help the showrunner make the version of the show they want to make. Often, especially like on a, on you know for on a sitcom or actually any new show actually or any show, you know there's a lot of pitching and there's a lot of coming up with ideas, and it's very hard to come up with a good idea. Like unless you've taken my class, <laughs> then it's easier. <laughs> <laughs> but if you haven't. Because uh, I talk about what, what makes a good idea and what's, what makes a bad idea, and how and how to identify a good idea from a bad idea. And there's like there's certain tests that you and you know. super helpful by like I have to say like it, it helps clarify the difference between and it kind of goes back to like when everyone wanted to write Star Trek episodes, all the episodes they got in from specs because they just took open submissions for anything uh-huh. on Star Trek Next Generation. They were they were always about data because every data was everyone's favorite character. Uh huh. Right, and that's like goes directly against one of the key principles you talk about. Right, yeah, like why, yeah. So, 
so obviously sometimes new writers, they want, like I said, they want to pitch an idea. They don't really know what a good idea is from a bad idea. And this included me when I was that age. I, believe me, I didn't know either. It took, it took a long time to learn. Um, and so pitching a, a good idea is hard. So, but the next best thing, they think, is to shoot down someone else's idea. Well, okay, I can't come up with a good idea, but I, can, I know I can help point out why yours is a bad one. <laughs> like, like, that's not actually helping. We've talked um, about that before, Dr. No, right? Dr. No, we could, the expression we use a lot is pitch, don't bitch. So don't bitch at a problem. Don't point out a problem. Don't complain about a problem unless you have a solution. Because mm. solutions are hard to come by. But you're not getting paid to be the, the no person. You're not, pay, you're not getting paid. You're, you're a writer. Your job is to create. Your job is to come up with things. Your job is not to tear things down. That's, that's the studio executive's job. That's the network mm. executive's job. Or it's even sometimes it's the showrunner's job, but it's not your job. And a lot of times young writers see, well, the showrunner is shooting down ideas. I'll just do what the showrunner is doing. And, uh, you know, but the showrunner is the boss. You don't, you don't get to do that. You know, your job is to contribute and to pitch is not to bitch. Yeah. And so it's I, a, I, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like that. It's like that old saying from the personal development world. There's two ways to have the tallest building in the world. One is mm -hmm. build the tallest building. Second is to tear down all the other buildings. Yeah, that, right. And that's, there's a lot of that going on. That's interesting, tearing on buildings. And, um, and I see it, ha and I, it's like a train wreck that I spot a mile away. Like if I'm running the show, then I usually pull aside this writer and say, hey, you don't know what you were doing, but uh, you got to pay. This is what I think you're doing wrong. But if I'm not running the show uh, and I'm my co-executive producer, which is very enjoyable because I could just sit back with my feet on the table and kind of watch the train as it's about to crash into the, you know, the building. Um, I don't say anything. It's not my place to say anything. It's not my place to tell a young writer unless they come to me for advice and, hey, how am I doing? And sometimes they do, but most of the time they don't. I don't say anything because it's not my, you know, I, I could also, I could be reading the temperature of the room wrong. Like it could, so it could be that maybe the boss thinks you're doing a great job. I just don't think you're doing a good job. So I don't mm -hmm. say anything unless they right. come to me. Right. It's interesting though, because uh, your writing partner, he, he tends to, to be more vocal about that kind of stuff, doesn't he? Uh, sometimes, and, and sometimes they'll say it in a way that's funny. So I think it goes over their head. <laughs> so, and I'll laugh and no one else will laugh. And, um, it, and maybe it's not that helpful for them because they're not really, you're not really telling them straight, uh, what they're doing. But again, like I said, it's not, if, if we're not running the room, it's, it's not our place. Sometimes we'll say, like, and a writer will say, you know, to play devil's advocate and Seaver, my partner will say, oh, wait, we're playing devil's advocate. Hold on. Let me get my cards and my board, the board game. I didn't realize we're playing devil's advocate right now. Because yeah. that's not the name of the game. And, right. and the devil doesn't need an advocate. The devil is pretty powerful. No one needs right. to stand up for the devil. <laughs> you know? It's awesome. It's great. I love yeah. it. So okay. that's, that's one of the ones I... That's, that's definitely one of the, the warnings. Another warning that I have... Or, or another, another way to excel. If you're not ready to come up with your pitch. If you're not... Well, there's a lot of things I want to cover. You know, if there are like... Let's say there are... Uh, eight writers in a room and you're the, the new guy, you're the lowest on the totem pole. It's natural to think that you have to say, you have to carry one eighth of the conversation. You have to have right. one, you mean to be speaking one eighth amount well, of time as everybody else. I think that comes from social cues too, right? Like if I'm just sitting there listening to people talk, I don't feel like I'm contributing. I right. feel, I would feel weird. Yeah. I, and I, yeah, I get that. And so an, I, I totally understand why people would, would think that. But when it comes to story breaking, if you are, and you don't know how to do this because most young writers just do not, 
if if this is in over your head, don't feel like you have to contribute an eighth as much because there are other writers, the higher up writers are getting paid much more than you are. And, and it's their job. This is more their job. And they have to. So, in other words, if they're getting paid five times what you're getting paid, they need to be speaking five times as much or have mm. five times as many good ideas as you do. It doesn't have to be equal. And so don't just talk to hear yourself talk, which I think a lot of times young writers do. Well, I need to, I haven't said much in the past hour. I better start talking, you know? Right. It's like not, no, if you don't have something important to say, don't say it. You, just, you know, we, you're not getting, you're not getting paid for volume of air coming out of your mouth. Well, so, so that seems, and I totally get why young writers would fall into that trap because. Yeah. I get it too. Yeah. I, I'm getting paid to be in this room which means I must be doing my job. And I'm sure we'll, these are some of the questions I have for you at the end of this, mm. but it's uh, really just defining that job so that I know what am I doing? What am I actually expected to handle here? And that's but a we'll question get, they should ask. The, the, they should ask that question to the showrunner after a week. Hey, how am I doing? What could I be doing better? Or ask a co-executive producer, like a higher up, what do you think? You know, often it's, it's easier to go to the co-exec than the showrunner because... Uh, you know, you don't want to bother the showrunner. You, you're insecure. That's the person who hired you. So it's easier to get better feedback, I think, uh, from the, the number two in mm. charge. Got um, it. So, so, yeah, that's definitely something to do. Another thing, um, yeah, don't feel like, yeah, I guess that's my first thing. Don't feel like you have to contribute equally. You, but you do have to contribute, but you don't have to contribute equally, you know, mm. as, as the higher ups. And, and watch them. One thing you can do, one easily easy tip, is when a higher up pitches an idea that gets a little traction, piggyback on that and say, oh yeah, I like that. And what if we do this as well? Or, and, and I like that idea because, and more, and just you know, elaborate on that, Come, add more to their pitch. And what you'll do is you'll, you'll make a friend out of that higher up because you, you'll make an ally. Oh, some, because the higher ups can be like, oh look, they like my idea and they're supporting it. That makes me feel good. And mm -hmm. now you're doing your job which is you're pitching, you're contributing in incremental ways. Even if it's not your original idea, you're still contributing. Let's back up to something you just said. Um, you said that your job is not to be equal, like you're not being equal, right? Yeah. It's to be incremental and to do that stuff. So what I wanted to ask is in a world of equality, where people are being hired or being told that their voice is just as important as everyone else's voice, what I'm seeing, and I think it might be just a generational gap here, I don't come from the perspective that my voice is equal to those above me, right? It's like when I was in the corporate world, I was uh, at dinner with uh, the CEO. I was doing a speaking event in Vegas for some one of our clients' um, events. And I was sitting there, and we are talking about how to do something. I was like, I'll just make an executive decision, and this is what we're going to do. And the, this, the guy was like, you're not an executive. And I was like, well, not, nonetheless, I'm, I'm going to make this. And he's like, you do not have the authority to do that. Right? Right. And I was like, oh, yeah, the executive decision means the executive makes the decision, right. not me deciding I'm making an executive right. decision. Right. Right. So, so I was going to ask, do you, do you feel like that, that approach to equality is, do you feel like that's an issue in writers' rooms right now? Have you noticed any of that? Uh, you know, I have seen people get fired because they – they kind of um, argue with the showrunner about what they think is better and what they in you know and how they thought the tone of the show is and like you're not going to win that fight and I, I would never pick that fight with the showrunner I don't know why a staff writer would like right. you know my job is to get on their page so do I think equality like, I don't I don't think I'm equal in the room yeah I don't you know I don't know why anybody else would the the showrunner is the, the boss I'm not equal to the showrunner 
Got it. You know, I just wonder how much of of that perspective carries into a room, and it it's the cause for a lot of people being fired. Or, yeah, I, I see sometimes people like yeah they gnaw on something they get on it they attach the right you know they pitch an idea and they're like a dog on a bone because they they want to see their idea come to fruition because this is how they contributed and so now they start you know digging their heels in and next thing you know they're not getting their option picked up and so you know it's a pyrrhic victory okay you won the fight well now you're out of work hi guys it's michael jammin i wanted to take a break from talking and talk just a little bit more i think a lot of you people are getting bad advice on the internet Many of you want to break into the industry as writers or directors or actors. And some of you are paying for this advice on the internet. It's just bad. And as a working TV writer and showrunner, this burns my butt. So my goal is to flush a lot of this bad stuff out of your head and replace it with stuff that's actually going to help you. So I post daily tips on social media. Go follow me, at Michael Jammin Writer. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook and TikTok. And let's be honest, if you don't have time, like just two minutes a day towards improving your craft, it's not going to happen. So go make it happen for you at Michael Jammin Writer. Okay, now back to my previous rant. Your, your note about piggybacking, I think, is very helpful. Yeah, you're never going to go wrong by, by by helping somebody else with their idea. I had, I you know, I posted, I posted something a couple weeks ago on either Instagram or TikTok, and I have a friend, uh, a writer friend that I worked with years ago on King of the Hill, and now she's running her uh, her own show somewhere. I don't know. Um, and she, she said, oh my God, I, the post I I made was about story structure and she was, oh my, she sent me a private message. I wish I could share this video with my writing staff because these kids just do not understand story structure and I can't, and, and it's, I'm like, feel like I'm, she's like, I'm feel like I'm fighting with them. Like I, and they, they're fighting me and I'm like, and and she can't, it's very frustrating for her. It's like, how how do you, how do you convince them that they don't understand something they don't know when they don't know it? And she she was like, well, how do I share this video on Instagram? I'm like, listen, old lady, you don't know how to share it. That's not how Instagram works. She, she wanted to post it like on Facebook, um, but but that's what she that was what her point was, you know, yeah. is that they don't understand and and that's kind of why they often get fired. Is like, you know, part of your job the the main contribute contribution you can as as a staff writer I feel is like, okay, if you get a script, can you turn in a draft that's that doesn't need a giant page one rewrite? And very like you, that's very rare with a staff writer. When you get a staff writer who can do that, you're like, oh, I just found a gem here. I got mm. I, you know, we can cultivate this writer. That's awesome. So that kind of leads into some questions I had. Is that okay if we dive into yeah, that? Yeah, let's do that. So, so number one, um, that was a question I had. I think you answered it. Is it appropriate to ask the showrunner for feedback? I think you said, yeah, you, yeah. you can. You said go to the number two. Is that just out of, you know, you might be timid or is it actually better to go to the number two? No, my, it's just it's only if you're in, intimidated by the showrunner because the showrunner is the boss. You know? Yeah, my my feeling would be I would want to get the feedback from the guy whose job is who's analyzing my job. Yeah, right? yeah, it would be better to get it from the showrunner, but unless they're unless they're so busy and often they're just really really busy, so you have to find the right time and maybe schedule time and say, hey, can we talk to you at lunch or or something? You yeah, know? five minutes. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Okay, so obviously you said that the expectations for a staff writer can differ. Mm-hmm. From your perspective as a showrunner, what do you consider to be the main responsibilities of of a showrunner? Oh, excuse me, a staff writer. Of a staff writer. Well, if they can, it's funny if they can come up with a, come in prepared with a bunch of ideas, and I, I'm always impressed by that. I remember even even last season on Tacoma, one new writer came in. Oh, 
I have a bunch of ideas. And I was like, ooh, let's hear them. Because I, I, I'm not prepared. Let's hear what your ideas are. And I don't think, I think, I don't, maybe, I don't know how many of them were, were any good, but I was impressed with um, uh, the fact that they, they tried. Good for them. So that, you know, that, I like that. They said they did some homework and they gave it some thought. And good for them. Got it. Okay. Anything else you consider to be a responsibility of a staff writer? Um, you know, yeah. I mean, when you talk about voice, if you're doing, like, let's say you're doing an, uh, a scene um, about, you know, about women and where there's two women in it and it's two men writing the scene, then for sure it's important to have the perspective of a female staff writer say, well, okay, how does this feel to you? Does this feel accurate? Does this feel, you know, misogynistic? Does it feel uh, true? You know, and so in that sense, for sure, yeah, let's hear your voice because you're, you're you're getting paid. Uh, then your voice is not equal to mine. Your voice is worth more than mine. It's more value because you have a perspective that I don't have. So in that sense, yes, chime up. If you have a unique perspective on something that no one else in the room has, let's hear it. Mm. Got it. Awesome. Okay. And then you said um, turn in a draft that's not a complete page one rewrite. That's easier said than done, of course. But yeah, uh, you know. Yeah. Where, where do you think that goes wrong? Because, uh, you know, you sit in the room, you break the story, you're in there mm -hmm. when they break the story. It's on a whiteboard. They tell you basically what the story points are. Right. And then they send you off and say, go write that. You would think it's it's foolproof at that point. You would think it's bulletproof. And I'm telling you, most scripts do come in. There's so much that can go wrong from after you get that story broken, even to the outline stage, you go, okay, this the writer has lost track of what the story is supposed to be. They're stuck in the weeds. Uh, the dialogue doesn't sound fresh. Like there's so many mistakes. And that's, that's also why I feel like it's silly when young writers get, they, they fight on a story point or they feel like, oh, this, it's all here and now I can't make it my own. And it's like, you have so many more decisions that you can make from just the outline or from the beat sheet to the outline or from the outline to the first draft. There's so many more decisions that you have to make. Stop worrying about those decisions that we've already made. You got plenty more decisions that you can make on your own that we haven't made yet. Right, okay. Got it. Okay. Awesome. Any, anything else come to mind? I don't know. Am I missing something? Do you think? No, I, I'm oh. just wanting to know from your perspective, like when you, you know, obviously we've talked about what you look for to hire a staff writer in yeah. the previous episode. It's really more, how would you rate that job? Like, what is it that, what's that, what's your grading scale for someone being brought back? Um, you know, I, I even remember when we were hiring for a show we did called Glenn Martin that we were running. It was on Nick at Night. And we were reading a bunch of scripts <clears throat> and I was getting a little frustrated from new writers because these are writers who came from agents. So they had representation and I just couldn't find anything that I thought was any good. And then I read this one kid's uh, script and I thought act two, act one and act two were really good. Act three went off the rails. I was like, good enough because act three we can fix. Act one and two, he did a really good job. And so I was happy with that. Um, you know, and I, I appreciate the fact that the story was moving. I got I was laughing on page one, and then I understand the act breaks, and so that was good. Well, so what if the ending wasn't any good? I'm not. I wasn't worried about that. Got it. Got it. Okay. Awesome. Um, are there any major mistakes you've seen people make that should be avoided? Like, right, is there just like this is an absolutely a no no besides arguing with the showrunner? You definitely don't want to argue with the showrunner. You don't also want to make anyone else uncomfortable in the room. That is a big no no. Um, but also, uh, I mean, that should be obvious because that's like in any industry. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of, when you get into the writer's room, there's a lot of bullshitting 
that starts the day. And it, it's important to have that because, you, okay, well, how would you do this weekend? Let's just talk and let's hang out for a half hour every day. And let's just talk. And to be honest, that's where you're getting really good ideas for episodes. And when someone opens up about their private life, their dating life or whatever, or their sex life, like there's always really, you'll, you know, if it's a true story, you'll get, you will steal something for the show. And so mm-hmm. that's super helpful. And it's very easy for people to think, oh, we're not really working. I'm like, no, no, we're, we are working. We're, you know, I'm, I'm trying to steal ideas from your head, from your real mm-hmm. life to turn into a show. And um, so you don't want to be, which is all good. And you should definitely share. And that's, that's wonderful. But you don't want to be the last person to bullshit in the room. You don't want to be the last person to sit in your seat when the, when the boss says, okay, we're gathering. You don't want to be the last person to, you don't want to keep the boss waiting. Uh, because you're in the refrigerator picking out the exact right flavor of yogurt. You also don't want to be the last person to be bullshitting. When when it's time to get down to work, you don't want your story to be the last one because mm-hmm. your boss may think, wait, you know, like let, let someone else be the last person to screw around. You don't need to be the last person. Got you it. Know? I think that's all great feedback. That reminded me of a story Phil Rosenthal, who was the co-creator of Everybody Loves Raymond. Yeah. He wrote a memoir called You're Lucky, You're Funny. Uh-huh. And in that, he talks about how in the writer's room, they would start and it's like, all right, what fight did you get in with your wife this weekend? Right. And that yeah. is how they would come up with the stories for Everybody Loves Raymond. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because I have a writer friend, Tucker Cawley, who, um, who wrote on Everyone Loves Raymond. And he had just come back from a vacation with his wife. And I'm trying to remember. I, th- I think this is how I remember it right. But uh, they were unpacking the bags and neither one of them wanted to put the luggage away. Um, and they turned into a fight. And Tucker's telling the story to the writer's room and everyone's laughing. And that became an Emmy award winning episode that he wound up winning <laughs> because yeah. you know, he's sharing this stuff. And so the more intimate, it's a little, like it's a little, it's tricky right now because people are so on eggshells about sharing their, you know, you don't want to make anyone uncomfortable and don't, you don't want to share, like it's, you can't talk about sex, but like in the writer's room, you should be able to talk about that stuff because that's what you clean up and put on TV. You know, mm-hmm. um, well, that, that's like another another story from one of the writers from The Shield. And she like opened up about how like her cat and this is really dark, but she's like, yeah, like basically her cat had kittens and mm-hmm. her dad make her take made her take it out to the stream and drown the kittens in a sack. Like nice. as like because he, she didn't listen to she didn't follow through with what he said about protecting. And it's like there's too many mouths to feed. And it was like this moment. Everyone in the writers was like, holy crap. And it ended up being like this huge background story and moment for uh, Vic Mackey in The Shield that like came from that real moment from that writer's life. Right, right, that's great, I didn't know that. But yeah, yeah. you can't, you know, when you say you can't make that stuff up, right, let's hear, you can't, let's, let's hear, let's take it from your real life. Yep, yeah. and, and that resonates with people too. That's what I've learned in writing is that when they say write what you know, it's not necessarily like, oh, you know, I, I worked at a deli. It's what happened in your life and what are those moments because the specificity of that moment is what connects with other people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you, and cool. to be brave enough to, to talk about that and to write about it. Yeah. That's, that's, that's where you get great art from. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's all the questions I had. Did you have any other thoughts you wanted to go over? No, I, I think I, let me see. I, I think I, uh, I think I get it. That those are always, you know, like I said, if you work so hard to get on a show, I, I wish I, you know, I wish I could make people, young writers who got hired, I wish I could make them take my course. <laughs> As like, you know, because I just, it would prevent them, it would keep them from getting fired, I think. So many of them would, oh, they would keep their jobs and then, you know, and they just flame, <laughs> they don't, they just flame out. I think they, I'm in, 
And, well, your course um, isn't and your course isn't just um, story structure. You also talk about like terminology that they use in the writers' room, which yeah. is like incredibly helpful. Like I remember going in as a, as a, the writers' piano in Tacoma, and I sat down and I was like hearing you guys talking about, oh, that's a runner, or like here's a foil, and I was like terms I never heard. And I've been yeah. studying this thing for like eight years. Like, what was the last time. one you just said? A foil. Like a what's foil? a foil? Oh, yeah. that's his foil. And like it's like okay, like why are we like a tin hat? Like what are we talking right. about? Right. And so those little nuggets not only help you feel comfortable, you also talk about responsibilities in a writer's room, what that's like, yeah. what those expectations are a little bit more in detail. Um, so, yeah, I, I would agree. It's been nothing but helpful. Right. And the feedback from people, I mean, I have private conversations with people in the group because I think, like, they still look at you like, oh, that's the showrunner. I can't talk to him. They don't want to talk so, to me. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, I get, but I get feedback, you know, I talk to some people on Twitter and some other places and and their feedback is nothing but helpful. Like one guy just got his, he just had something optioned. And yeah. He's attributing his success to you for that. That's great. Yeah. So Good for incredible him. stuff, man. So if yeah. anyone hasn't checked it out yet, I'd encourage you to check it out. It's, it's just powerful stuff, really simple, tons of content, but really broken down into bite-sized chunks that are easy to digest based on what you need. Yeah. Check it out. All right, everyone. Thank you. Come, uh, come back for our next podcast episode. We got more to say. This has been an episode of Screenwriters Need to Hear This with Michael Jamin and Phil Hudson. If you'd like to support this podcast, please consider subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing this podcast with someone who needs to hear today's subject. If you're looking to support yourself, I'd encourage you to consider investing in Michael's screenwriting course at michaeljammin.com course. I've known Michael for over a decade, and in the past seven years, I've begged him to put something together. During the global COVID-19 pandemic, Michael had time, and I have to say, I wish I'd had this course 10 years ago. As someone who's personally invested in most online courses, earned a bachelor's degree, and actively studied screenwriting for over a decade, this course has been more valuable to me than most of the effort I've put in because it focuses on something no one else teaches, story. In his course, Michael pulls back the curtain and shows you exactly what the pros do in a writer's room, and that knowledge has made all the difference for me, and I know it will for you too. You can find more information at michaeljammin.com course. For free daily screenwriting tips, Follow Michael on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Michael Jammin Writer. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Phil A. Hudson. This episode was produced by Phil Hudson and edited by Dallas Crane. Until next time, keep writing.